our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. I'll leave you with this with Dustin Chaffin. Oh, yeah. I like old New York. Like just it's, all... But it's a very grand entrance for a podcast. Most places oh, yeah. it's in a garage or yeah, just like somebody's some, kitchen. <laughs> somebody's apartment above a comedy club. Yeah. So yeah, this, this is quite a class, uh, classy experience yeah i stepped it up a notch it's like it's it's weird how with the podcast thing you can also you know you can just do it anywhere right you can just do it in do it on the subway room. doesn't right. matter yeah well it's interesting for a little while i felt like podcasting became oversaturated yes so just every it almost wasn't even worth making the joke that every single um you know that every single comedian had a podcast like oh, that was yeah. just a thing and then i think now people have sort of I'm talking about this on the road lately, just that there's so much content that yeah. it is overwhelming. I mean, and I think people are getting fatigued by it. And I, I've, lately I've been talking about these streaming conversations that we all have. Yeah. Where like, like, have you had a conversation lately where somebody's like, oh, have you seen Narcos on Netflix? And you're yeah. like, no, 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 but I hear it's really good. But you've seen the O.J. Simpson thing. Oh, the one on FX? No, 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 the ESPN one. <laughs> oh, no, I haven't seen that, but I heard it's really, really good. Yeah. And did you finish Westworld? No, I haven't even began it, but it's great, right? Is it as good as Homeland? It's... Homeland's good, but I would I would watch <laughs> Bloodline first. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah. And then that's the end of the car. What the fuck are we no, talking it's about? It's like anxiety, it, it's, anxiety it, to keep up with right, what's happening. And, and what yeah. happened is you didn't talk to each other. You yeah. each gave each other assignments and yeah. you each felt bad that you hadn't seen anything to be able to connect over yeah. so the end of those conversations it's kind of like well it was nice not talking to you yeah. and, and, then you, and then you both go right back to your phone right exactly <laughs> and you go back to texting one another pretending it didn't happen about uh yeah about the various films that we haven't seen and we should feel bad about it and then i saw sicario i don't know if you saw that oh the i really want to see that so good brolin was talking about that when we were doing deadpool 2 yeah. And it was funny. He was like, "We're gonna see what it is, but it's it's, it's fantastic." Is it really? Oh yeah. He kind of, you know what? He was sort of hinting at the idea that it might be better than the first film, but I think people get scared to jinx that in Hollywood. Yeah. So like, there was a lot of feeling on the set of Deadpool two of sort of like, "Wow, this could be better than the first one," but we yeah. don't want to think about that or talk about it because, you know, that'll jinx it or something like that. Yeah. But um, Sicario actually was an example of. What there is not a lot of, which is like original, interesting, good films to go to in the theater. Now, yeah, in yeah. New York, we're really spoiled because like Kate and I live four blocks away from five different cinemas yeah. and they're all showing cool stuff. But, um, you know, as far as when I venture out on the road, which is what I'm doing every single weekend now. Oh, yeah. You're really getting out there. Yeah. I mean, I just did a, I just did a run of I don't know. I did almost ten shows in three different uh, venues all over Florida. Wow! And that was a real trip. But when I'm out there, you know, there's nothing to watch. People are like, yeah. "I guess I see Jurassic 
park because that's yeah. what's out. I even think Disney is kind of freaked out because Solo didn't do that great. Yeah. Especially in China. And I talked to somebody and they go, you know, I went and saw Solo. And I was like, how was it? And he's like, it's good. I don't understand the Donald Glover thing, but also he's really charismatic and he was funny in that. And then he goes, but there was something about the whole thing that wasn't exciting because I, I felt like I was sitting there and I thought to myself, I feel like I just saw a Star Wars movie. Yeah. And then I and then he said to me, he goes, uh, and this guy's really funny, but he goes, and it was because I did just see a Star Wars movie, <laughs> The Last Jedi or whatever, was yeah, out yeah, yeah. six months ago. So yeah. they've stopped feeling like events. Sure. And that's why <clears throat> the next thing that I'm in is um, uh, Underwater, this film with Kristen Stewart. Very cool. And it's sort of a return to Cloverfield or the yeah. idea of sure. like, you know, what space can we get new things in? Because yeah. even now in the horror genre, it's like... The remake of It, which I didn't see, but I heard. Did you see Hereditary? Really, really that was terrifying. No, I heard that that's really terrifying. good. Too. See, we're having yeah, one there of we those go exact again. conversations. Let's just do this on the this podcast. Exactly <laughs> what's happening. People listening are like, yes. they, they want to tell yeah. us, like, no, yeah, but you've got to see, you've got to see Snowfall. Uh, <laughs> well, let me bring in real quick. Uh, yeah. First of all, I think it's funny how, like, you know, you nonchalantly be like, yeah, I was on the set of Deadpool too, and. You know, that's what's amazing about your life. Like, you have the same, you know, just attitude as, like, hey, I did a spot at the Lantern. You know, that, that's how amazing your life fact, is, by the way. In fact, yeah. I, in fact <laughs> often I'd rather be at the Lantern yeah. no, but, or your club just, absolutely. like, doing stand-up. That's what's so great about being on the road. Yeah. But, yeah, I feel very lucky to be able to do both. But right now I'm a little bit... Yeah, well, let me bring you in, yeah, people, sorry, just in sorry. case somebody's, like, listening. Who is this guy? Uh, this is uh, very exciting for me because I've known you a long time. I've known yeah, we've been since, friends for... Since the beginning. Yeah, you know, The, the early days, speaking of the Lantern, early yeah. days of the Greenwich yeah. Village, just kind of everybody just trying to, like, get funnier, which yeah. is really all we were trying to do back in the day. And uh, did you play Boston Comedy Club a little bit? Are you, there you know, well? it was... I, I, I feel like I vicariously did because okay. Pete Holmes barked for that club <laughs> yeah. for so long. Yeah. And he would always call me on the phone, especially in the winter. Yeah. And our conversations were like in-depth conversations about comedy and different comedians. But every couple minutes he would be like, hold on a second. Hey, you want to see comedy? Do you like comedy? <laughs> no? All right. And yeah, so yeah. I, I mean, I just talked to CJ. So hold on a minute. Hey, you like comedy or no? And so that, so I heard yeah. that over and over and over. He again. was my barker. Yeah, I ran the show and he barked for me. Like that's how we met. And uh, he really hustled. I mean, he hustled he really spots yeah. when he was here. And you've always been good to me, giving me spots. And there's something very special about the Lantern, even the new way that it is. But I, so I, you know, I came here explicitly to do stand up, and because Kate's world, she's a mixed media artist, sort of yeah, exists yeah. solely in New York City and London and like Basel. Yeah. And there's play, you know, internationally, there's things to do, but there's really no good <laughs> art in Los Angeles. And she's sort of already at a level where it only makes sense to be here. But what's strange is that I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be. To break into the stand-up scene here. Oh, yeah. And it's... you've been really, really good to me with spots, and there's, there have been quite a few clubs that are really good to me with spots. But what I realized, and it took – Kate and I were kind of musing on, like, why – why maybe there's just a lot of politics to the scene and stuff. And then we realized, and this is quite true, is that a lot of people doing stand-up would like to go to Hollywood and do film and television. Oh, yeah. And my coming here, instead of necessarily being a welcome, like, oh, cool, like another stand-up comedian, it's more like, 
Oh, great. Another stand-up comedian uh, who's now going to take stage time from me and bump yeah, people yeah. and all that kind of sure. stuff. So I've had to be very careful to yeah. kind of tiptoe my way through that. And the Creek in the Cave has been instrumental in that way. Just sort of saying, like, we constantly yeah. have shows, jump on whenever you want. All right. Well, let me bring you in again. This is hilarious. So uh, you've heard heard him on SiriusXM. You've uh, seen him on Comedy Central several times. Uh, he has a rap album. I just uh, keep interrupting Dead him. Pulch. We never say <laughs> what name. How to Train Your Dragon. He has not the seen all of movie. Narcos. Yeah. Uh, he's tried to make his way through Bloodline because Ben Mendelsohn's so good. I've ever uh, met in my life. T.J. Miller is in the building. He has not everybody. seen either TJ, of the O.J. Simpson <laughs> documentaries. How to Make a Murderer. Did you see that one? That's a good one. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. I, well, I kind of I can't get on the... Let me cut you off for a second. Okay. Uh, so last week I had uh, I had Mike Vecchi on, on here. And, oh, he's uh, so funny. He, uh, he opened I mean, for He you. likes red wine. He does. Yeah. He drinks yeah. it in a rocks glass. Yes, he's classy That's a like real that. man. I'm that's serious. A, yeah, that's what all wrestlers do. <laughs> that turn comedian. Um, Wrestler turn comedian. <laughs> like John Cena. But, but uh, we were talking about, um, like, when we watch a tell, we have this thing where it's just like, the biggest compliment you can give a comic is when you watch them and you're a comic watching, you kind of turn into a fan and forget that brain of yours that's like, oh, let me right, analyze this bit. Being analytical. And I have that with you in the sense of, like, you make me laugh from the gut. Because there's just this energy on stage that really Thank just you. kills me. And it's so fucking funny. And it's funny because sometimes it's like, like I'll do something and you'll take it like 20 times further. I remember I felt like I was the first guy to kind of touch the audience. I was like, in my head, you know, your yeah, head, yeah, you think yeah, you're doing yeah, something yeah. first. Like I was fist pumping people and being like, yeah. whatever. And then I saw you one night, you got a guy in a headlock, he's in your armpit. And you're like giving him a nookie. And I was like, you're like right. carrying him I out of the club. I overextend yeah. the personal <laughs> space boundaries that the audience yeah. has. It's phenomenal to watch. I, I, think, I think it's similar with you, though. I always, you have such a defined persona. You know what I mean? That is also, it has humility to it, but you're not like casting off. You're very, very unique. You're the only person I, I know that wears a cowboy hat most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. And uh, and, and a liberal. And yeah. a liberal, right, exactly. <laughs> From the South. Yeah. It's, it's all coming together to be, like, you're the, you're the unicorn. I'm out of the box. Comedy. I am. I'm out of the box. Um, but I, I, think, I think a lot of that is, and Attell definitely has this, is that you just, you watch these people. Yeah. And you do. You stop thinking about the mechanics of what they're doing because yeah. they're, they have a persona that just wraps you up so absolutely sure. in it. There's two specials that I saw recently. And I also saw Chris Rock on the street, but I was on the phone. And we had this weird moment where I was like, oh, what's up, man? Because we sort of know each other through yeah. Twitter. And uh, he looked at me, and I could tell that he was like, I know this guy, but I do not know where from. Yeah. And because I clocked that, I was like, and I am not going to stop him and his kids to be like, hey, it's me, the idiot from television. <laughs> um, but it, you know, his special, especially uh, this most recent one, is so just you fall so completely into him as a comedian yeah. that anything that he says is engaged. Yeah, and you just stop thinking about it. And then I also... So vulnerable in that special. Yeah, and I I mean, I, I've heard that Kevin Hart's special is sort of similar. I just watched Bo Burnham's special or most of it, and yeah. that's well, he, well, he incredible. Directed, he directed the Chris Rock, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, he's just a brilliant guy, but I do sort of analyze what he does because he's a bit of an absurdist. And then he also has this thing where... He is an intellectual, but he doesn't want to pander or preach to the audience. And that puts him in a strange sort of situation, just like when I do philosophy and stuff like that. 
sometimes the audience is like, we get it. You yeah. went to college or something like that. <laughs> unless I can yeah. kind of be self-deprecating well, at the same you time. You have like a Steve Martin vibe to me, a Kaufman thing going. And I oh, feel Jesus like. Christ, thank I you. Do. I, That's I, like the two greatest. Well, I mean, because out of nowhere, I'll be like, oh. Well, TJ's playing the trombone now. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like, like just this, and then and the next thing you're juggling boxes. Like it's just it's all over the place. Yeah, you know? and it's I, fantastic. Steve Martin is definitely. I mean, that's an influence for everybody. But that's oh, yeah. that's the guy who I, I see. I see myself as sort of derivative of guys that I really like. Like uh, I love this. It's the first guy I mentioned, Tig Notaro. But uh, <laughs> no, Zach Alfanakis. Sure. Um, yeah, and Kaufman had this thing where I like to let the comedy bleed into reality and vice yes, versa. I was saying that the other day, like the whole world's your stage. Yeah, but, um, you know, two things that I found out about that. One, kind of Kaufman became antagonistic, and that sure. was where the whole wrestling thing came yeah, from, yeah, the yeah. Tony Clifton stuff. And I don't like that. I, I think the audience yeah. should be, first and foremost, entertained, laughing, feeling better. You ever bought an audience, like a box of donuts or something after a show? Yeah, I have. I took them. Um, <laughs> that's the Steve Martin thing, right? Going and getting one single cheeseburger with, like, 50 oh, people. Well, Kaufman did that, too. M- co- um, cookies and milk, I think. He yeah, was. that's right. He yeah. would have warm chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't quite have the budget for that yet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's... He is so, so funny, and I gain a much better appreciation for him after Man on the Moon, which I didn't see until recently because the documentary is so interesting of Jim Carrey kind of talking about it. Yeah, that is That guy's, like, really deep. He sort of disappeared, and then... But if you if your if your life is a bit... uh, There is some kind of mean-spirited... Imagine this, a mean-spirited person from the media that was at a show (laughs) that I did somewhere in... Minneapolis. I'm also talking <laughs> yeah. uh, to audiences now about generally how all of us are like, stop. You know, we're starting to rip our attention away from these screens because yeah. no one feels happy after they look at any social media or any of the apps or Facebook. Well, anything. How do you concentrate on the craft and keep the noise out with all the crazy shit people say and There's do and all that so, bullshit? Uh, like, well, how, see, do you, how do you focus? I see all of it as almost people talking about, you know, a third party sort of. So it's, it's me. So when I read things, I'm not offended. I'm not like now, occasionally when the cycle is being particularly like vicious or mean spirited about anything in general, about, you know, these stupid snowflakes or whatever, these dumb red hats or anything like that. Then I kind of, I think I feel the same way everybody does, which is you just want to scream into the internet and be like, stop it, stop, like stop yelling at each other. No one's changing their minds. Enough is enough. We're going to deal with all of this when we can. But right now, everybody should be focusing on psychologically feeling a little bit more healthy. So I feel like we all want to scream that, but we know that it's just like screaming into a vacuum. And so I just try and take it. I just don't take it personally. I kind of... Well, my favorite because a lot of yeah. people come up to me. I'll just say this: that a lot of people, you know, the 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 media can be particularly vicious. Like page six will be like, yeah, you know, they use such mean language. Everybody's getting dragged now and slammed and <laughs> you know rolled and all that stuff. Yeah. But you know, they'll kind of you know say something sort of mean, and you're like, you can't even dignify it with a response. And you certainly can't worry about it. And also, when I go on the road, nobody walks up to me and is like, you suck. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. that, that's not people. It's weird. On the Internet, the only people talking to you or about you 
um, are doing it because they they're mean spirited. Yeah. In real life, uh, people come up to me all the time, and they're yeah. just like, and I've noticed this all the time. They're like, "Oh, you're so funny," or like movies or yeah. whatever it is. And then lately, specifically, and this is why it's been so rewarding, even if exhausting, to be on the road all the time, is people are saying things like. Thank you so – and I'm sure you have this experience. Thank you so much for doing what you do. Thank yeah. you for making everyone laugh. We need it more than ever. I mean sure. that's how dark it's getting in, yeah. the, in these well, times. My favorite thing with you is one time you're on stage and you were just riffing and um, some people were giving you shit about the Emoji movie. You're like, it's a fucking children's movie. Like it's for kids. I, I have a whole bit about for, that. I, Actually, it's for kids. It's meant for kids to be happy. Like, shut up. Oh, it's – I mean, Crazy. you know, and, and that's the thing. That's kind of what I'm talking about. It's like yeah. I'll get all this stuff of like, you did the Emoji movie and you left Silicon Valley and you've ruined your career. Meanwhile, I'm like, does anybody know about IMDb? Like, or does anybody know? Projects? That, yeah. Like, all you have to do is look <laughs> on there and you see that there are other things that I'm in. And, and you doing. also, like, just as you were saying in the beginning, it's like, you're, this is the path that you want. And I know for a fact, like I'm looking at your schedule, and you love comedy clubs. You love, yeah, I love, you clubs. love going to like, I love doing the, two, the emphasis is stand up comedy. And I love doing two shows yeah. uh, on Friday and two shows on Saturday yeah. for a smaller group of people. I would rather do that than I love one chain show comedy for, clubs. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, that's been the way that you get really. Really good is you just have to hustle your way through Port Charlotte and then Nashville and, you know, but also San Diego and Spokane, Washington and Omaha, Nebraska. But I love, I just love that stuff. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ah, <laughs> and we're back. Yeah, and yeah, we've thanks, waited thanks, for a second thanks, and thanks an hour. Noise there. Um, I love that. The, yeah, yeah this um, top notch here. I'll edit it out. Okay, you edit it out. So that's all that matters. It's uh, don't edit that out. That's that's, the that's fun. right on. That's the um, but no, it's just you know. But that's the thing is like I don't think a lot of people understand that because. You know, people are trying to do what you're doing, which is, you know, they go to L.A., everybody thinks they're going to go there and become right, like a TV right. star, be a sidekick on a show, get the thing, and it's almost, I mean, what was... Get a part on Westworld, What was your I've f- never seen that show. Oh, yeah, well, um, everybody looks like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was, what was like, your first, uh, like, credit, like, far as something that, like, was it Cloverfield? Yeah, Cloverfield. Oh, that was, like, your first. And that's okay. actually why I did Underwater, sorry, um... Guys touching each other's <laughs> knees during the summer never it's, feels great. Oh, it's never bad deal. Um, so I, um, I, so I did underwater in part because they came to me and they said, "Look, there's this Kristen Stewart. It's like a thriller. I like you her. obviously would be comedy. Yeah. I had only really seen her in Twilight, so I was like, I don't okay. know. But then Kate has seen everything else she's done except she's for Twilight, and so Kate's like, you have to do it. She's like one of the best living actresses. Yeah. So I read the script, and then my character wasn't. It was like somebody who wasn't funny wrote what they think a funny character would be because yeah. the script was great. Sure. But I – so I talked to the director and I was like, you know, can I do it this way? And 
you know, he was not totally forthright about how yeah. heavy the giant suits would be. He was like, it'll be like 35 pounds. Mine yeah. was 115 pounds. <laughs> we would sweat so much doing this movie that <clears throat> we would make our way through like – see like a sci-fi Five character? or six. Yeah, I mean – Oh, that's great. It's almost like Alien um, – Meets like not aliens, Alien and the Abyss. I don't know if you've seen the Abyss, but yeah, it's, it's, it's such great. A great movie. Yeah, it's such a great movie. So it's, the ending, it's very very that right. <laughs> but but it's very very like and so that's actually returned to because it's about ten years okay since I've done Cloverfield. Wow. And so that's a return to that genre, but instead of sort of being behind the camera and the age that I was, and that was the first film yeah. that I did and. I was really learning as I went along. Yeah. This is sort of a return to that genre, but also me trying to kind of, I don't know, show like, hey, I have been doing the work, so yeah. if you want to go see this type of movie, I'm going to add to it, not take away from it, which is something and that I did in Transformers so 4. People was, are pretty cool with that, letting you improv off the script. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, fight it. And it's gotten to a point now where that's what I'm known for, so if okay. a director sort of fights it, I'm kind yeah. of like... Let, let me just, you know, as nicely as I can remind you that, like, yeah. this is what I do for a living is I, I make things seem spontaneous and naturalistic. And yeah. then in between that, I do comedy that is tonally appropriate for what we're doing. So, like, in yeah. Underwater, there's no, like, waka waka ding dong. Yeah. And I was going to say like Deadpool, but really Weasel also is is sort of underplayed. Office yeah. Christmas Party. So I, it's, it's not it's not the same tone. It's so ridiculous, <laughs> but it's a good gag driven comedy, just like she's out of my league. Yeah. But those movies <laughs> require a certain sort of tone. Yeah. Then films that are more, you know, underwater requires a very um, <clears throat> underwater requires a, a very tonally specific type of comedy, yeah. which is that all of us are very very scared the entire sure. time. Okay. But that has to have different ebbs and flows to it. And I just think of it the same. It's the same way. It's, it's the same thing that I did in Cloverfield, which is, if if you were in a disaster yeah. with a funny person, okay. or that was like part of the ensemble of people that are going through it, they would still be funny. I mean, it's yeah. it's sort of Bill Paxton in yeah. or Harry Dean Stanton in Alien. I just wonder how funny that person would actually be if it was a real crisis, because I kind of want a survival guy next to me. Well, that exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> we have a couple of those and, as well, right? You know, <laughs> Instead of like, doing balloon animals, yeah, I don't need that, that becomes guy. less important. Stop it! Stop you know, it! We're about to die a, here. A trombone and, and juggling is what's the crossbow? Is. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> and so I. Uh, you know, but I I think that's the, the that, that's what's hard, man. Is you you do have to think how funny would this person be, yeah. and ultimately not that funny. I mean, you know, yeah. you find chances, to, but it's more <clears throat> this particular time because yeah. there's some, some haunting stuff that happens in this film. That's great to me specifically, and I you know I think that when does it come out? A I tried next year. I mean, really, that's the way movies are right now. It's yeah. like, it comes out, let's see, there's six more Star Wars movies and two other <laughs> franchises. So this will come out in about 2022. Um, no, they, they, you know, they slated it for uh, a fall release, okay. but it's required an immense amount of post-production. There's a okay. lot of special effects to it. Yeah. And so they haven't set a release date, but you know we've done ADR for it. It's the only thing Kristen Stewart's done yeah. that's a huge movie, maybe in years and years. If you could, if you could do a biopic, do you have someone that you would love to portray? That's so funny. No one's ever asked me that. Like Oscar Wilde or something. Somebody. 
Oh, so doing a biopic of somebody like else? Like if you were to play the character of... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would love... Um, Who would you want to do? Oh, yeah. Wow, that's... That's kind of tough. I mean, I was thinking you meant if if they did a biopic about me, who would? Oh no, no, no! More like if you had somebody you'd love to play, like if, if I'm wearing if I'm wearing glasses and I've cut weight <laughs> yeah. in New York City all the time, people are like you, dude, oh, it's the dude from Napoleon Dynamite, or what's up, Seth? Hey, Seth Rogen, that's Seth Rogen. Yeah, um, I don't know if those are biopics. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I, I could play them. I could That'd play John the Heater. Set, yeah, John it would actually Heater be story. really interesting would to be do funny, the John actually. Heater story because he had such a weird. thing where he, they didn't really want to be actors and oh, definitely didn't expect made to be a movie famous. for like 600 grand and, and then it exploded exploded and they're both mormon brothers he has yeah. a twin and it's i was mormon for a while so yeah, yeah really for about six years yeah we uh i i just did comedy in like salt lake city and okay. uh and i mean it's crazy the lds stuff oh yeah but what's so weird now is like i'll go to omaha Okay. And not only are older people coming to my shows, I have a very strange range of people. The only yeah. thing they all have in common is that they drink a lot. I've yeah. broken, I broke <laughs> Even records. In Utah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not as much in, in Utah. But in, in Omaha, well, in Nashville, they ran out of vodka. How yeah, often does a comedy hilarious. club completely run was, out of alcohol was, was and then go get more ice? Was that your green room? Or? Yeah, it's yeah. just the green room. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, they move so much liquor that it, yeah. I, I'm able to make sense of the yeah. idea of taking a, a majority of the door. Well, that's what's, what's what I had a club in Orm, Utah. It was called Fat, Dumb, and Happies. I was I had a partner, and we were uh, out there. That's a great name. Yeah, and the thing was, is like we, you know, we had no liquor license, and then we just, you know, sold Mountain Dews and like, you know, jelly beans and shit. That's we went under in like two years, and you know, about two years, yeah. we went under because it's like booze fuels this whole business. No, it really people is. have no idea. I tell people that when <laughs> dancing I dancing monkeys, when moving I tour, booze. Where I, when I when I tour as a stand up comedian. I often talk about how I am a liquor salesman. I mean, you're there oh, yeah. to, that's the only way that the restaurant business can say, but definitely the comedy club. Yeah. Because most comedy clubs don't have a great, and I just played this place called Vasani's, and I, I'm interested in your thought about this. It was in Port, Port Charlotte, it's the only game in town, but their big thing is they're a great Italian steakhouse okay. that has a comedy show afterwards. And I, want, I, I was going to ask you, have you ever performed. For an audience that has had a three-course meal <laughs> that included pasta, yeah. It's the worst. I, and I think, you I know. I mean, I would mu- much rather, you know, perform after they've eaten, for sure. There's nothing worse than people oh, yeah, just while they're chopping eating. food. Oh, like I'm competing with a double cheeseburger. Or to... they're waiting They're waiting for their food to come, so they're not oh, even yeah. looking at you. And as soon like... as it comes, you're just gone. They don't, it doesn't matter what kind of brilliant bit. So that's that That was sort of what I found was that we still did well, because yeah. I toured with C.J. Sullivan, who's an, you know, like a headlining comic. Who's amazing, yeah. but CJ and I both found that people enjoy the show, but they're so fat, dumb, and happy after this huge <laughs> meal that they kind of, you know, they laugh their way through. But the last thing any of us want to do when we go out for a long dinner and have dessert and stuff like yeah. that is like watch two white dudes talk about <laughs> what they find funny about the world yeah. for like an hour and a half and, or two hours. Yeah, and you laugh, you're going to fart, you know what I mean? You've had food. Like Every, The whole thing is just going to be a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. And, <laughs> but everybody, I mean, you know, nobody goes home after a huge meal and is like, 
everybody just wants to go to sleep after yeah. that. Well, that's just amazing about comedy is just like everybody. I mean, there's just so many places where you can just pop up a comedy uh, show. You know, right? Like oh, yeah. You don't even coffee need a stage shops. anymore. Yeah, no, you just you, need you a microphone. Need, yeah, maybe it depends if the room is small. You don't even need that. But it's like, yeah. it's like one of the, tr- the last art forms that you can just really much, pretty much do anywhere. You know? Yeah, I mean, like the Grizzly Pear just has yeah. a, a, a what I think was a room for, that was supposed to be. We don't private. promote that club here on the show. I'm oh, kidding. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. It's Granny Apples. Uh, so the Grizzly Pear kind of in the back room. It's you. Don't don't need a microphone. Yeah. I, I'm just talking about it. Well, you have good I don't voice. Even, I yeah. don't even get up there, but that was, yeah. we were both in that um, that scene in Crash. Yeah, that was fun. And so, but that was a perfect example of like, yeah. you do not need a, and that was really hard to uh, film that scene. I don't know if you yeah. remember, it, but the, the audience, difficult. the poor audience is like, uh, we, we, we're now hearing this a fifth time and we have to pretend. Yeah. So it really took yeah. both in that and then when we did the comedy club with Artie Lang, yeah. I sort of bombed in the beginning takes and it took me having to be like, because I'm supposed to do well and then Pete's yeah. supposed to have a tough time. So it really took me like abandoning the idea of it being a television show and then just doing a live performance. Yeah. And then that worked. Well, you were, I, you know, I don't know if people realize, you know, enough people don't realize how nice you are in real life. And you're one of these people, I try you're a giver. And especially because I was nervous as shit on that thing. And I remember I was walking by, you was like, isn't this exciting? And I was yeah. like, because it's like, and you popped me out of that, you know, that place that I was in. And it is exciting because yeah. it was also was like, weird so that cool. we were playing yeah. ourselves in yeah. the past. And, oh, that, well, you know, so the weird. best thing in the world is getting to do, it's fun to make friends on movies. Like, Jen Aniston and Jason Bateman definitely became people that were Wahlberg and I are very good friends, so as, cool. as good of friends as you can be with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And because um, he's also the nicest guy and super fucking smart. But what's what's cooler is to be able to do a movie with friends. And unfortunately, the movie that is the best example of that. Well, she's out in my league was like that because Jay Barishaw and I just immediately became fast friends. Yeah, you can see that in the in, in the movie as well. Yeah, and tell he, people about the he is so good. And he's so kind and such a nice guy. And then, um, but then there's, you know, there's the times where you get really lucky. And I I knew an improviser named Scott Armstrong, and he had written the Hangover movies. Yeah, and he put Adam Pally. Who I had known from an episode of uh, Wow, this is how much stuff is out there right now. Happy Endings. Yeah. So I did an episode of Happy Endings, and we became really fast friends. Yeah. And then Thomas Middleditch, who I've worked with, you know, for as long as I've been doing improvisation, basically. And so it was Pally, him, and me. And then directing it was this guy Scott Armstrong that I was friends with. Yeah. And that was such an incredible experience. It was like when I've done the two short films that I did, you really are just kind of hanging out with um, friends making this thing that you hope is great. The problem was it didn't end up being like the big sick. It ended up being a straight to Netflix show that people discover and they like. But I think we had really high hopes for that. And the problem was, and this happens in a lot of films, I've been lucky to be in films that are like – 
again, people talk shit on the Emoji movie, but like that was perfectly timed and made yeah. so much money and children loved it. Well, there's so many movies that people don't even realize how amazing they are. There's a movie that I, when everybody talks comedies, nobody ever brings up this movie. This movie called Living in Oblivion. It's, it's uh, Steve Buscemi. Oh, and is, is it about indie actors, yeah. sort of? Okay, it's like yeah. he, he made a movie called Johnny Suede with uh, Brad Pitt, right when Brad Pitt was starting to blow up. And Brad Pitt was, apparently was a diva on the set the entire time. So he makes this other movie that's basically a Brad Pitt character kind of flipping out on the set and like wanting all these demands. Uh, I got to see that. It's really good. It has Peter Dinklage and he's all I've pissed heard off. About it. He's all, here we go again with the movies. He's I all know, pissed I know. off. Have you seen In Bruges? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me all, Google that. It's all real. That. <laughs> no, that has, that has, uh, Living in Oblivion is amazing. That has My Peter favorite Dinklage movie. In it too, oh, it does? It's really okay. funny. And then the one I'll tell you that nobody yeah. has heard of. Is Steven Soderbergh's Schizopolis. And it's this one that I think yeah. you might have to get on DVD. It was like the first thing he ever did. It was all his friends. And like Search Party, he thought, he was like, whoa, we just made this awesome movie. It was all of us hanging out. We did it in Louisiana. Yeah. Just, like, we're just going to do this. And then, you know, these movies will make us so much money. And no one ever saw that movie. Yeah. And he's frustrated this day. The one time I met him, I brought it up, and you could yeah. tell that he was like, "Yes, thank yeah. God, one person has seen it." Yeah, and which is so hilarious because he made traffic and all yeah. this. But but I um, like movies where they do that. Like, um, I just I'm really late to the party. Here we go with fucking movies. I can't stop talking about this shit. But it is our conversation how we relate to each other. But episodes I've been watching, and it's like it just makes fun of the industry and then like the agents yeah, and, and how I, people get TV shows sold and how they get screwed and all this stuff. It was really fat. It's really funny to me. And I think people now, are look, savvy enough, for instance, to have you know to love something like crashing because it, yeah. it talks about the behind the scenes of stand-up comedy and people know enough about it now that they don't want to just see it they'd like to see how it happens watch what happens live with bravo watch what happens live when we, we talk about second. watch what happens live <laughs> okay all right there we go uh crashing is funny to me because it's like it really makes me laugh because, like, Pete has, in, you know, Apatow's, they, they've really kind of, they're trying to dig into this world of stand-up comedy and what it's really like to be in a New York City comic and stuff. But there are some things that kind of make me laugh where it's just, like, how, you know, like, you're actually a nice guy. Like, I know for a fact if a young comic comes up to you and starts talking to you, you're going to be giving. But it's yeah, not all celebrity, yeah. not all celebrity type comedians are going to be able to, you know, be that generous to a young comic. And sometimes it's, you know, it, it does make me laugh a little bit where it's just like, you know, is, is Sarah someone going to be that nice to some young comic or is somebody, it's, you know, it really... Well, even, she's, she's very kind, but sure. I, I think as you get older and the more famous you get, the more... I had this long conversation with a young aspiring comedian in Port Charlotte. And I always like to listen and I'll give advice on where you should move and when you should move and those types of things. But then he got so intense and he kept saying this thing, <laughs> you know, and this is sort of a weird level of fame that I have right now, which is that it comes with all these like dark, terrible things like stalkers and just all the horribleness that comes along with fame. But also people see me as an entity and like the guy downstairs, he's like, whoa, that's. You're f I saw you on the movie, you yeah. know, and I just went to a grocery store and this guy was like, hey, I want to say big fan. I just I keep rewatching your hot ones thing. And it's New York. New York is pretty chill about it because yeah. they're kind of used to glitz and glamour in the New York way. Yeah. But, you know, this kid kind of every 15 minutes kept saying, um, 
I mean, wow, I'm sorry, but I'm tripping out. Like, I'm talking to TJ Miller right now. Like, bro, like, I'm in the room with TJ Miller. And I'm kind of like, that both weirds me out and makes me want to um, not have as long of a conversation. But it's, I know how much it means to people. Yeah. That's the eternal issue with cameras, especially for me when I talk about on stage ripping your attention away from these screens, like, yeah. live your life, don't record it. Who is watching? Yeah. That's a bit that I've been talking about lately, which is like, who 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 is saying to someone, they're like, Oh, I went and saw Jay Z concert, it was amazing. Yeah, right. Video or it didn't happen. <laughs> and then when then and I want to watch it along yeah. with you. I want to yeah. see a shittier version of that experience well, no, with worse speakers and audio. It, it is fucking weird to go to a concert and like how cell phones become the new lighters. Oh, you know? so <laughs> weird. Everybody's watching through yeah. the screen the thing that's happening. But I I also know that like my bodyguard outside of his daughter, his most yeah. prized possession is um, a picture that he has with Vince McMahon because he's a nice. huge wrestling guy. Yeah. And he'll tell that story. I've heard him tell a thousand times, obviously. But he'll show the picture and tell the story. And the story is, it's a full story. It's that he wanted to... Um, all of his friends wanted to go up and talk to Vince McMahon, but he didn't want to. Um, none of them were uh, none of them were brave enough to do it, but he was, and so he went over. And then Vince McMahon um, was so nice to him and said to him, like, you know, have you ever wrestled? You're gigantic. And he was like, no. And then he's like, bro, I got. He always says, bro, bro, I I gotta ask. I just do. I'm sorry. Can can we get a picture with you? And Vince McMahon was like, yeah, sure, absolutely, of course. That means so much to him. Yeah. So it's very difficult for me not to take a picture with someone when they're really excited. Sure. And before the election, a lot of times I'd be like, I, I can't take a picture right now, but let's meet each other. What's your name? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. then you give a, a, a moment of human consideration, and ideally the person gets the picture. Then that, you get like, a story Don't that you can share with right, somebody exactly. else. Um, but after the election, now I take pictures with everybody. Unless, unless yeah. I'm with Kate and we're in like a heated yeah. discussion about the internet. Lately we've been arguing... I've been arguing vehemently that the internet has turned the world into high school. Oh, yeah. And Kate thinks that the internet has turned the world into junior high. Hilarious. And we have very long arguments about that. Well, back to... <laughs> I'll definitely get to that and in if a somebody second. wants a picture yeah. during those conversations, yeah. I'm like, excuse me, we're in the middle of something, okay? Well, back to wrestling. In high school, they can be meaner, but they're still... Put and she's like, yeah, but yeah. they don't make little yeah. clicks. <laughs> Well, back to wrestling, I remember I was uh, probably about seven years old. I was at the airport, and Ric Flair was in the airport. Oh, and I wow. was a huge wrestling guy. And I remember uh, my mom was uh, you know, there, and she went up to him, and she said, my son really wants an autograph. And then he hit on my mom and then gave my mom his phone number. And oh so I don't God. know if my mom ever had a thing with him, but I'm assuming she but probably it's possible. did. Yeah, it's she possible. Yeah, she might have. She might have. Yeah. What, a <laughs> so, what a classy Ric yeah, Flair move. Nature boy. Just zero, <laughs> just zero I'll take right your mom. I'm going to take no, your mom. mom. Your mom's looking good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's amazing. But, you know, the, you know, that's a strange thing. And then we – Kate, I also talk about how – People are celebrity obsessed, but they're also obsessed with tearing people or ideology down. Yeah. And they're obsessed with – it's just we're not in a very healthy time, and the internet is to blame in a lot of ways. It is. And I think people got so saddened by the realization that, like, Facebook – and like, like all of us kind of felt stupid because we were, like, buying into the Silicon Valley – 
huckster pitch of yeah. all of this is going to make our lives the best that they can be. I got a Facebook, and instead we're going to sell yeah. we're going to sell your fucking information, and Ugh. we're targeting Ugh. ads to try and make you buy more. And capitalism is already creating a, a pretty difficult situation, and it's it's largely why we're in the position that we're in. And so I think a lot of people were bummed out by that because the other thing is is that the population is so much smarter now. Everybody's so much smarter. Yeah. Younger kids get smarter. People are having kids when they're older, so they learn from somebody who's lived longer. And and people are savvy enough now to be like, ugh, this is just a disaster. Well, the information thing is crazy. I have a shirt it's from like I have a shirt from like three years ago that keeps stalking me on Facebook, like or you know any social oh, media yeah, I do. Yeah. It just Target pops up. It's like I don't want this fucking shirt. I looked at it once and the com- on a website. <laughs> the computer is just like stalking but me don't around. Don't you want the shirt? <laughs> you know you want. It. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's like, a fifth yeah. opportunity you have it, to buy this it's shirt. It's like somebody walking out of Macy's and just following you down the subway with a shirt that you right, looked exactly. at. Exactly. You know? And, and, and like, they, hey, like, you want this? They pop out from yeah. the bodega and they just hold huh? it up. You want yeah, it? Huh? You want what it? now? What about this time? Uh, yeah, exactly. And and so I think that that has made people a little bit. I don't know. I think it's made people kind of sad and so and frustrated and disappointed. Yeah. And so that's why not only do I try and do comedy, and I find that. People okay, so you can stream so much stuff. Again, that yeah. joke of the streaming conversations sure. that we have. But and I talk about this in the stand. If I go to a town and people pay for the babysitter for the parking, yeah. they get all the booze. They're buying shots because they're all excited, and it becomes an eighty to one hundred and twenty dollar night. That's a real, real experience, and I am positive that they have fun and that anyone that they know they can talk to about it. Yeah. People that didn't get to see the show, they get to sort of explain what it was like and how it was and you should yeah. go and see it next time. And the more movies I make, you know, yeah. and I, I think a stand-up special, it, that's where I'm headed with this tour, obviously, but it's great. Well, it's people funny. just go home and they just stream and stream and stream and stream. And so I thought, well, what's the best way to kind of wean people off of that drug and it's live performance. I well, have this theory that live performance is going to become like the thing. Yeah, I mean, it is something that's, you know, I, I've been yelling at crowds a lot because it's like they'll get sensitive about a topic or something or crazy and I'll yeah. be like, hey, look, th- I go, you can't fuck with this. Go, you can fuck with television, you can fuck with everything else, but you can- this has to be the last place that we can say outrageous things. This has to be the place where we can be uncensored. Well, we can take risk. Don't screw this up. Like, don't write a blog about this. Like, right. let this continue to happen. The je- the jester has to be able to safely say whatever yes. he wants without fearing his head being cut off by the king. Yeah. And I think somebody just actually, I think it was at Vasani's. They had had Steve Byrne through there, uh-huh. and he just was doing that. He was screaming at the audience, being yeah. like, "You can't be on." You can't be insensitive about this. Or yeah. sorry, you can't be so sensitive about this. This is free speech. Yes. This is what this is yes. why we live in America. This is the deal. And now you guys are starting to forget that. And we always had jokes and people would talk about the comedy police and you know, that's been yeah, yeah. that people have been dealing with that for years. Let's but I think now people are so upset about the world that they're just looking for a target to direct their anger at. And what I'm starting to realize is, like, it doesn't matter. The only way that I relate to audiences now, I don't talk about politics. I only have one political joke. I think politics have become sort of irrelevant if we're in the situation we're in. Yeah. But I talk about America a lot. 
And I think that that's because I, I, I really make it clear. I'm like, what's going on right now is not good, but I love being an American and I like yeah. traveling in America. I don't I, I love being a New Yorker, but I consider myself an American because I'm in New York three days out of the week, and the yeah. other four, I'm somewhere else. I'm in Florida. You know? Yeah. Well, you're from Colorado originally. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was going to tell you a thing. Uh, in Texas, every time we saw a car with a Colorado license plate, <laughs> we would shit on the hood. I just want you to know. <laughs> He's referencing a joke about we would spit on cars with Texas license plates. We were real punks. I went, I went to a mostly black and Latino high school, and uh, and we were all thought we were so cool and gangster. Um, but yeah, I I think Texas is the only state that uh, a man would feel no shame shitting on the hood of another man's car. So yeah, again, it's true to form. Um, uh, I asked, um, you know, a lot of comics, you know, responded to the show and stuff, and it was funny. You know, you ever try to get like a serious question out of a comic or whatever and it just it never goes right like i was trying to ask somebody online i was like you have any you know questions for tj and you know about stand-up comedy and some guys goes just fucking text me he's like well just ask him if he what would you rather give up blowjobs or cheese and i'm like really <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like could you ask me some of the writing process and then here's the sad part maybe blowjobs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they're great but cheese, cheese has so many varieties it really does it depends on the cheese a gouda a nice humble fog <laughs> You can leave that BJ at home, baby. Swiss, I could live without. Yeah, Swiss. We yeah. don't need Swiss. Nobody needs Swiss. Swiss, really- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Swiss, you're not you're not trading in oral sex for Swiss. And Jeez. here's another thing that was really funny to me because people have no fucking idea. I was talking to some kid yesterday. Two kids. Sure, think of it this way: sharp yeah. cheddar is better than a sharp <laughs> blowjob. It is. Wow. There's no way around that. That's just yeah. the truth. Well, Monterey Jack. <laughs> That's a hand job. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly, and thanks to that guy, now we're just like in the yeah. toilet doing we're humor about fucking blowjobs <laughs> and cheese. Well, you got your wish, sir. You got it. Uh, I was talking too good yesterday. One kid said, you know, he saw Ready Player One and it changed his life. He became an instant fan after that, which I thought was great. He said, I love this fucking guy. He's amazing. And then the other guy was just like trying that to book talk. is amazing. Is it? And the whole thing, yeah. Yeah. And that's got to be awesome, too, to be in a Spielberg, you know, movie. It's, a, it's like, incredible. That's, I mean, just, I mean, that's got to be top of the list as far as goals and all that shit when you start out and I think you more than achieve. anything. But I think that was part of why... I was able to do it effectively. And then there's another weird thing. And I began to understand this like maybe eight eight years ago or nine years ago. I got to Hollywood in 2007 and the first thing I was on was Carpoolers. But strangely, that was a DreamWorks television production. Nice. And I met Spielberg once on the Amblin lot. Oh, wow. And he was like. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, hi, Steven Spielberg. I, don't, I still do this to this day. I say his full name, even though I like know him. And he's like, no, you can call me Steve or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, hi, Steven Spielberg. I'm TJ. And he goes, no, no, I know who you are. You're in Carpoolers. And my wife really is like a fan of yours. And his wife's wow. name is Kate. And she's a mixed media artist. Oh, so that's pretty that. weird. Yeah. But, you know, then then I would come to find... That he gave notes on Cloverfield, and the ending is the way it is, is because of him. Okay. That She's Out of My League was a DreamWorks production. Office Christmas Party is a DreamWorks uh, production. And if you loop. track, he produces Transformers 4, all uh, the Transformers. Really? So if you really look at my body of work, a lot of it has to do with Steven Spielberg being like, and I don't know why, but he's just like, that guy. That big toddler of a man, he really tickles my funny bone. But, you know, I, it really was such a good experience because 
It's it was the dream. It's a yeah, it's a dream to work with. Now I sound like such a Hollywood piece yeah. of shit. It was such a dream to work with you Steven. Are, you are a Hollywood. Oh, piece of shit. I am a Hollywood a piece thing. of shit. But you know what? In <laughs> in Hollywood, I look like a, a complete Hollywood douchebag. Yeah. But in New York, I'll Nick walk Nolte down the street comedy. and people will be like, instead of like, oh, here he comes with his ironic uh, gold chain. Instead, today me and this guy were talking, and he's like, I was thinking of getting a link like that, and I was like, well, that's a very classy Cuban link. So here in New York, people are just like. <clears throat> Yeah. I just saw five crazier people than this thing going. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's what's nice about that. Yeah. But I think he, you know, he was adapting a book that when I read it, <clears throat> and I read it for the for the film, uh, my character really wasn't in it, but yeah. he, it was described to me as a funny bounty hunter. Like, oh, wow. And Boba Fett is my favorite oh, thing. They're from making that movie, I think. 220, yeah, I think it's going sure Another Star Wars that. movie. And another thing, uh, Young Comic said to me yesterday, I was excited about interviewing you, and he said, uh, well, I'd rather the- give up Cheese or Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> Having worked with Spielberg or Goat Cheese or Hamburger Meat. Um, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't give up Hamburger. I, uh, he said, one thing that's great about TJ is he never has to write. And I was like, I go, you know, I go, that's the test of a real comic where they think that everything is just, you know. Off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. You're just like this guy that's just <laughs> no, not, not even writing anything or forming or crafting anything. No, but I'm, what is your process? So I'm, I, am, I am different in the sense, yeah. Kate and I just had this conversation. She's like, God, it's so exhausting. Like, that's another thing is I haven't been getting up in New York much because – I'll get home and it's like, first of all, I'd like to hang out with my wife. She's yeah. awesome. And then second of all, I am so exhausted. I'm driving, you know, three hours in between these cities and, um, you know, all over Florida. And it's so hot. I'm in airports and then out airports and in airports. And but I am not a guy that goes home. I tape all of my sets, but I rarely listen to them, which I okay. think is very common in the comedy world. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can't. I, but stuff. if I need something or I need to remember the order of something, that can be very helpful. Okay. So I do refer back to it. But I don't sit and sort of write the words and things like that. And I think that is – that's how I started. But now I think after 10 years, you should be in a position where you can just write down – you know, streaming conversation, and yeah, then you have Carlin, like five. Carlin minutes. would just type it out like it's unbelievable. He would type out like fifteen pages. Of, yeah, and so know. some people, the words are so important yeah. that you're almost like you know a writer. But all comics are either <clears throat> writers or performers, they, or at least they lean to ones. And I'm clearly all delivery. You know, not a lot of great writing, not particularly innovative material. Right, a lot, a lot more trombone than I thought would be in the, the goddamn show. Water um, bottles, huh? Right, but I, <laughs> I'm past that. I'm doing all the, I'm doing all trombone material now. That's the, I'm gonna get, if I have to hear one more audience member from the Rust Belt be like, "Is that a, a trombone? Looks like a rusty trombone." And I'm like, uh, uh. Like, how do you deal leave. with people leave that, the show? How you, are you like are you I guess most people are coming to see you and it's a good time, but are you having a few moments where somebody's being disruptive and you have oh, to Oh well no, we have to kick people out oh, all you the time do. and it's because people. they get so drunk. Oh, okay. I mean people get so drunk yeah. at my shows. Well you create a party vibe. Yeah, so. and yeah. I but I mean in Edmonton we kicked yeah. someone out every show except for one. Yeah. And they weren't being mean. They just one guy was so drunk. You know that drunk that you, that you can be where you're positive. 
that what you're saying is articulate, <laughs> yeah. that your diction is in an excellent oh, yeah. position. Yep. And really, you sound like, hi, I'm birthday. <laughs> and that's exactly what he was doing. In his mind, he's like, it's my birthday, and I'd like to celebrate with all of you. Thank you so much for coming to entertain. But all that comes out of his mouth is like, hi, I'm a birthday. And so you kind of, and, and I always give a person a yeah. chance. I try so hard to be like, listen. Yeah. If you can, this one girl, I was just like, listen, yeah. if you can be quiet <laughs> for the rest of the show, I'll, I'm going to give you, I forget, I'm going to give you a free fake CD yeah. and I would love to take a picture with you and I'll buy you a dessert or I'll, you know, I'll buy you yeah. a round at the end of the show, but you have to be quiet. <laughs> and she just couldn't be quiet. She wow. was just so drunk. Yeah. And he, she was the type of drunk, this happens in my shows a lot too, <laughs> where you, she forgot that there were other people in the audience, yeah. and she thought that it was just a conversation with the two of us. So if I would ask a question, <laughs> she would answer the question fairly loudly. Oh, sure. And then if I would just have an observation and she agreed with it, she'd be like, it did, it is, <laughs> it is, did, it is. And I'm like, okay, you got to go. So I always yeah. feel terrible when I have Give to ask a chance. To leave, yeah. but you have to... And this is sort of, you know, I am a utilitarian, ethically speaking. Yeah. You have to think about the group as a whole. You yeah. can't allow someone who's being selfish to ruin or take away from the night of all these other people. Do you find yourself like, um, I remember when I, was, when I used to be a heavy, heavy, you know, and they're drinking and stuff, and I felt like people would send me shots on stage. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, I had to take the shot, you know. You know what? That's all. Like, that's iced tea. Yeah. They send, I now, send, I send oh, them. Now they do iced tea. I send <laughs> them, Jack. <laughs> that's and phenomenal. Then, and then yeah. I just drink iced tea. So you're a pro. And that's great. On, I did fucking whiskey and I was just blitzed. I'm not allowed in Chilkoot's Charlie's anymore because really? I had chicks showing their tits and Whoa. I was blacked out and it was crazy. I mean, that's. <laughs> It won't allow me back in the state. It's Alaska, too. It's fucking Alaska. (laughs) You weren't even planning on going back, but it's just insult to injury. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I feel like I'm, you know, I'm an improviser to the point where I can usually make my... Yeah, but for for instance, I'll drink Red Bull and soda on stage because just having that there... Yeah. It looks enough like a drink that, you know, it's like when you, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not a cigarette smoker, but w- when you see somebody smoking a cigarette, you're usually like, oh, that sounds like that would be nice. I mean, that, you yeah. know, that's what True. drugs and alcohol are. Yeah. But <clears throat> I just find it, I, I need to be so hyper-focused now. Yeah. And it's not that I go home or, or before the set, right, at all. It's just like. <laughs> that streaming conversation joke is not going to be the best that it can be unless I perform it in front of seven audiences. And you're shifting and towards that's this? how I write. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And you're shifting towards that? Because I've seen you like pour whiskey on your head and stuff. So Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was probably iced tea also. Was uh, it? I mean, nice. you know, I, th- I think I think, I think, I, I think I realized a while ago that like the party persona yeah. only takes you so far. And I've had this conversation with Nick Swordson about it that... You know, oh, he can sell guy. so much liquor. He's so funny. Yeah. But he kind of is still talking about partying. Yeah. And his audience isn't in that same mode anymore. Interesting. And so, it, you know, I I think that I definitely made a concentrated effort at some point to kind of go, I think you need to be talking authentically about yeah. social satire and also about yourself and the world. Well, I wonder how far that can go. Like, is Brett Kreischer going to continue to take his shirt off like 10 he's, years from now? Dude, <laughs> he like has, Iggy Pop? Is he, he the has, Iggy Pop he of has comedy? He has a fake tattoo <laughs> on one of his profile pictures that said, still shirtless. <laughs> yeah. 
And so I he's think hilarious. Yeah, maybe, dude, he's maybe, hilarious. maybe he will. But I, yeah. I always look at trends of who is. Um, I always look at trends of, of really who's on the road, who's who's traveling, where are they traveling to. You know, you look at like Amy obviously is doing huge uh, casinos because that's yeah. where you make money, and they're sure. huge. And then, but you kind of still have the best of the best touring because the clubs are freaking out right now because they don't understand like are we supposed to bring in YouTube stars and how long will that last yeah. and and they're not even doing comedy it's just like 20 minutes of material and then it's a yeah. meet and greet for a really long time like is it just bringing in famous people what's the deal but Bert and um, there's a couple of people at his level that just like unstoppably funny I mean, oh yeah it is so, he is raucous he is great it's funny you said about the youtube stuff i was at levity live once and they were like yeah well the guy in the panda suit last week was just destroyed and like sold out three seriously shows. yeah there's some guy on youtube that's like does like you know furry outfits and stuff and just with music dance music and just fills the place can you hear a like, part of me dying <laughs> is, that, is that showing up on the <laughs> okay, so we got to wrap it up. Um, it's been wonderful. Thank you yeah, for having me. It's been fun. Uh, one little thing I like to do. You've been such a good friend for Thank so you, long. Buddy. So it's really nice to uh, thanks for to doing talk this, with man. you and record it and have people listen to it. Thank you. I, I always say this. I always say it's like, you know, sometimes it's like as comedy friends, we don't get to hang out. And you have to have an excuse as a podcast just to have a conversation with each I mean, other. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, Cash Levy and I, our yeah. podcast is basically that's the way we hang out. So you out. can hang yeah. out. Absolutely. Uh, one last and thing. hopefully entertain and give some <laughs> yeah. insight into the human nature. Speaking of insight, um, one last thing: if you could talk to like a young comic starting out, or yourself, you know, when you were younger in comedy, what advice? Anything you wanted, like throw I know a piece of anything? I, I know it's so lame, and it's said by everybody. And Seinfeld has a great sort of story about it, but it's just work. I just if yeah. if you work harder than anyone else around you. There's no way you can't be successful. I am living proof oh, of a guy who's sort of talented off. but works so hard and and in every medium that it's kind of and so i I feel very lucky for, and fortunate for everything, most especially Kate and like where we live and all that kind of stuff. But I think you know I did I worked harder than almost anybody. And there were people like Hannibal Brass definitely hustled his, but he's incredibly successful. I mean, yeah. he's, I think he's going to be a movie star. Yeah. And Kumail was the same way and Pete's the same way. And there's just, there's a lot of people that are um, very successful right now. And I remember coming up in Chicago with those people and yeah. how much they worked. Yeah. And it was just that I sort of triple timed or quadrupled the amount of work that I was doing. Cause I, I was also, Taking acting lessons for commercial, learning voiceover, taking improv classes, performing every single night. If I wasn't performing, I was watching an improv show or you know stand up. Trying to watch two shows, and there was just sort of no way. Adam Carolla made fun of me once. He was like, "I feel like you're just a guy that's gonna will your way to success. Like it just doesn't matter." <laughs> and uh, no, happen. I think I think that the other thing is decide why. You're doing it because there's a lot of people, if you're motivated for selfish reasons, like you want to become famous or you want to become rich or you yeah. want everybody to pay attention to you, you're going to run out of steam. That that's, yeah. that's not a driving force. And you're a guy who feels really strongly about comedy and making people happy. And you're also an incredibly kind, good dude. Thanks, and you're fucking hilarious. And so <clears throat> that propels you. And I think you also give a lot of opportunity to young comics. And I, I think you, you gain like you a lot of – 
But that's I, I can see how rewarding that is for you. And so my the the thing that keeps propelling me and why I almost did two sets last night. And Kate was like, "What are you doing? Are you you're going to die? Because that is a problem. I <laughs> yeah. I work so hard that it is exhausting, sure. and I have so many projects that often they interfere with other projects. Like a big part of walking away from Silicon Valley was because I was doing so many other things and traveling on the weekends that they would have to like move production for me to do reshoots and stuff. Yeah. And it just became. And I I would show up, and I'd already done." two or three sets the night before and that's so hard to do in Los Angeles and then you know you only have six hours of sleep and it's a 14 hour day and so I tr- I'm trying to sort of keep that in check and not exhaust myself as yeah. much but I am constantly motivated by this idea that life is fundamentally tragic yeah, and comedy is just the best possible thing I can do for you know other human beings and the most rewarding thing to me in the world is when somebody comes up after a show or sometimes during a show it'll happen uh or just on the street and they're like i just want you to know this happens a lot with a podcast actually i just want you to know that your podcast got me through a really hard time in my life or i just want you to know that i i love uh she's out of my league and i used to watch that and repeat after i you know got um you know, after somebody that was out of my league broke up with me, yeah. you know, they'll sort of say, you know, this movie was, and I think we all have that. I have definitely have, in fact, for a while after a breakup a long time ago, I think Nick Swartzen is so funny that I just really got into that. And then lately, Norm McDonald, I don't know if you've seen his uh, last special. So it, I just have gone into a YouTube hole of yeah. like listening to him and watching his stuff. And then I did that with Morgan Murphy too. There was a time yeah. when I was doing Yogi Bear 3D that I, my brain was, <laughs> I was bleeding. wondering if this was going to come up. Yeah, <laughs> that my brain was bleeding, and I was about to have an, uh, seizures that led to the removal of an arteriovenous malformation. That's insane. But I was so insane. depressed, <laughs> and the only way I could sleep. This is true, and I hope. I hope she knows it in her heart. I've told her before. <laughs> the only way I could go to sleep was by listening to interviews with her because oh, wow. her voice is so sort of soporifically taking you into lullaby land. And also she's so funny. So there yeah. were many nights in New Zealand filming this talking bear comedy where the bears weren't there at yeah. all. So sometimes yeah. it's just me talking to two ping pong balls on sticks <laughs> and there were times that i would Sounds go to like sleep sort of chuckling and listening to morgan murphy wow. so if i can do that for other people yeah and you know that's the thing that i'm excited about the time when i'll be able to perform in new york and do like six sets is that then you can hit a couple hundred people and you've got to know that like five of them had a terrible day at work a couple of them have a family member that's sick or dying no, i think you get the essence of stand up and what it does to people and the energy that it lifts them with and i think it's amazing thank you so much for thank you being for a comic me. and just thank you, you know, for being a comic focusing. thank you for being a producer <laughs> and a comic too uh, this is thank our special producer anthony capfer he has a book out called book the book you can get that on amazon I think and think anthony dot right? com yes yes Yes, and uh, anything you want to plug real quick to Twitter or uh, projects? God, I, I hate social media so much. No, I, I really <laughs> no, don't okay. want to plug my that's fine. That's But right. I'll tell you, actually, you know, I've been laughing because my sort of fake hip hop album 
It's really it's, good. You're it's really a good ridiculous. rapper, dude. And then you there's really a are. different, um, there's a remix of it and that yeah. remix tape. So that's been making me laugh a little bit lately. And then I think, you know, you mentioned it. If you haven't seen Ready Player One, it kind of yeah. harkens back to Spielberg's blockbuster days. Yeah. And it's just a really yeah. thrilling, good film. And then I'll plug this. I'll say Underwater is coming yeah. out. And Deadpool 2 is still in some theaters. But yeah. go to the movie theater. So great. Thank go you. to a live show. Thank Get you. away from these screens. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, And also, I don't know if you guys have Miller. seen Narcos, but it's <laughs> I, have, I have not. So if you have, hit me up on social media, which you know I love, and let me know what's it about and who's in it. Because I always mix up if it's Bennett Cumberbatch or I love uh, Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful. Cumberbatch, his eyes. You ever see his eyes? Thank you for listening to I'll Leave You With This. I'm Dustin Chafin, and thank you, everybody. Stay funny, stay silly. Bye bye. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.